Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. This is your host, the OG Rob Silver. Today we will run down the fights from Saturday night and that including Jesse Bam Rodriguez's career-defining win at only 22 years of age against Sirkat Surungvisai, who for years was the boogeyman of the 115-pound division. Well, no longer is he the boogeyman. The boogeyman at 115 now is Jesse Bam Rodriguez. We will also talk about the main fight on the undercard, Murajan Akhmadaliev and his 12th-round stoppage of Ronnie Rios. I will answer two questions from a longtime listener of mine, um, Bilal from Los Angeles, and I will end the podcast with another reading of one of my top 45 of the last 45 years that I've been writing about on the FightGameMedia.com website. Today I'll be talking about my, my, my number 34 fighter of the last 45 years, Mark Two Sharp Johnson. And before I continue with the podcast, I want to bring something up to you guys. Uh, we have a Patreon. For an additional $5 a month, you could hear my series on the greatest upsets in boxing history. Coming up next week will be my take. Oh, it broke my heart. The the night that Thomas Hearns got knocked out by Iran Barkley in the third round, one of the greatest upsets in boxing history. I'll be recording that episode this week and it will be out first week of July. I've also have podcast uh, episodes on major upsets by Lloyd Hunnigan over Donald Curry, Villamar Fernandez over Alex Arguello, Esteban De Jesus over Roberto Duran. Some of the upsets I've been talking about as we count down the greatest upsets in boxing history. Also on that Patreon, now I just have that monthly show. Nothing compared to what John LaRocca, Justin Nipper, the great Garrett Gonzalez, and a host of others, J.D. Oliva, a host of others that have pop- John and Garrett, John LaRocca and Garrett, Garrett Gonzalez do a weekly, weekly episode on the Monday Night Raws from 1997 to 1998. Now, right now, if you subscribe, you get their entire rundown of 1997, which in my opinion was the greatest year in the history of the World Wrestling, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the World Wrestling Federation, and the World Wrestling Entertainment. Because that was the year that Bret Hart, with the Hart Foundation and his feud with Stone Cold, and of course, the screw job with Shawn Michaels in November 97, Bret Hart set the world on fire 97, and it was the beginning of the Austin era. It was the beginning of the Attitude Era. All in 19, they cover all those roars in 1997, and now they're covering 1998. They're halfway through 1998. So for $5 a month, you can listen to all those shows, and John and Garrett 
are phenomenal in running down each episode. John LaRocca? <laughs> that man should be booking somewhere. Because that man's mind for wrestling detail is off the charts. Off the, It's Bill Watts-like. And Garrett, I'm going to say this. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Garrett Gonzalez is the Ron Darling of wrestling analysis. And so many other great uh, podcasts. On the Patreon feed um, And you have Exclusive coverage of AEW w, WWE UFC Bellator MLW NWA You name it They cover it when it comes to combat sports Now On to Saturday Saturday evening's Two main fights And we'll first start with Akmah Ladiev I can never say the brother's name right. Let me make sure I get my brother's name right. Murajan Akhmadaliev against Ronnie Rios for uh, two of the four alphabet titles at 122 pounds. There are four uh, criminal sanctioning bodies. Akhmadaliev has two of them. And Stephen Fulton has the other two. Now, hopefully... These two will fight next because it's time. Let's get one champion from all four criminal sanctioning bodies. But I know that eventually, once somebody wins all four titles, they'll get stripped for nonsensical reasons. But anyway, let's get that fight together. This was a routine one-sided beating by Ahmad Daliev. Ronnie Rios is a solid fighter, journeyman. He gives you rounds. Um, he's a tough son of a bitch. Every time he's been stopped, he's, it's been on his feet. He uh, he fought valiantly, but he was totally outclassed. Akhmadaliev totally dominated the fight. And even with an injured shoulder, he was able to stop Ronnie Rios by battering him with the one, <laughs> with the one shoulder in the 12th round. Referee stops the fight. Akhmadaliev retains. Two of the four titles. And now let's get the fight between him and Fulton signed. Let's get it done. All right. Enough of the IBF, WBO, ABC, IBO, XYZ sanctioning bodies. Right. And they're mandatories. No, let's get these two guys in the ring and let's see not only who's the king 122 pounds, but who is going to fight Nyoa Inui. In the future, when he expectantly, expectingly moves up after he destroys Paul Butler when Butler fights him for the undisputed Bantamweight title. Let's get that done. Let's get that done. All right. Now, on to the main event. Sir Rung Vasai challenging Jesse Bam Rodriguez for his WBC 115-pound title. And my winning streak continues. Once again, I get a I get the correct winner. Now, I thought the fight would go 12 rounds. I didn't predict that Rodriguez would win by stoppage, but I did predict that he would win convincingly. And, oh, boy, was it convincingly. This was a one-sided beating. So, Rung Vasai is 35. He looked 55. He couldn't deal with the speed. And, oh, God. Lord, will somebody shut Todd Grissom up? 
Will somebody shut Sergio Mora and Chris Mannix up? All fight long. Oh, Bear Rodriguez has got to be careful. He's got to be careful. So Rugvasan still has that one punch knockout power. Bam Rodriguez, 13 years younger, much quicker, better boxer. Sorung Vasai is an aging slugger. Right? You know what Sorung Vasai is? Hank Aaron, when he played with the Milwaukee Brewers in 1975 and 1976, right? A guy that used to hit to all fields, but is only a one-trick pony now. Well, Reggie Jackson in 1986 with the California Angels. You know how you you know how you uh keep these guys from hitting home runs? You finesse them. You throw a, a a variety of breaking pitches. You don't throw them any fastballs down the pipe. And eight times out of ten, they either strike out or pop up. Well, Bam Rodriguez, throughout this entire fight, gave some wrong side angles. He didn't stay in one place at one time. Oh, and that goofball Grisham. Oh, so in the first round, so Rugvasai so is standing flat-footed. That means that he's got, he's got the opportunity to sit down on his power and land a big shot. No, you dumb ass. You don't fight a world-class fighter flat-footed. I can go on all day about the ills of the boxing announcers in boxing today, but I digress. Back to Bam Rodriguez. Bam Rodriguez is beautiful. I mean, angles. Everything off that beautiful right jab. Combination punching. And making Sir Rungvisai miss with Sir Rungvisai's wild swings. And he was countering Sir Rungvisai left and right. Seventh round, he drops him. Eighth round, he batters him, drops him again, and then batters him into submission. Referee stops the fight. Jesse Bam Rodriguez won every second of every minute of every round and retains his title. And now he's got options. He's got options. Now, people will criticize Bam Rodriguez if he goes down to 112 pounds. I understand why Bam Rodriguez is doing that. Two of the alphabet title holders at 112. 15 pounds, the super flyweight division are Bam Rodriguez and his brother Joshua Franco. They're not going to fight each other. Bam has made it plain uh, uh, has made it plain as day. He's going to go back down to 112 and let his brother try and fight the other title holders at 115 pounds. They're talking about putting him in the ring with either Sonny Edwards, that's Bam Rodriguez, either with Sonny Edwards or Julio Cesar Martinez. He beats both fighters. He's better than both fighters. Sonny Edwards is a stylistic boxer who cr- who can't crack an egg with his punching power. Julio Cesar Martinez is a one-trick pony. He's a slugger. He's a brawler. And he's taken a beating in his last couple of fights. Chocolatito all but finished him off. He will be a sitting duck for Bam Rodriguez's uh, skill set. As far as Sorungvisai goes, it's time for that man to retire. He's done. Stick a fork in him. Go back to Thailand. Take your money. uh, Start up a boxing gym. I don't know. Do something. Uh, Buy a business. 
I don't know, get a grocery store or supermarket, but stay the hell out the ring because you're done. It's over. He is cannon fodder for the young up-and-coming 115-pound fighters. Now, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, next week there are no major fights. So next week, I think it's going to be a matter of fact, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a question and answer forum. So you guys can email me any questions you have at robertsilver57 at hotmail.com or you can DM me robertsilver5768 on Twitter. I will post this on Twitter once the show comes out. Once the show, once, once you hear this, then I, you can go to Twitter, robertsilver5768, and you will see the tweet that I have up Asking me for any questions next week I will read my number 33 Fighter of the last 45 years And I will answer Questions From the listeners Because there are no fights next week Next week 4th of July Has been perennially Perennially A dark dark weekend In boxing Now on to questions from the good brother Bilal, longtime listener of mine. Um, from other uh, platforms, from my music and other boxing and sports shows I've done on other platforms. Now, let me get to my brother's. He's got he's got three questions. I'm going to answer two and save one for next week. The question he has is, who is the greatest fighter to never win a title pre-1960. Now, I normally don't do this. I've always stuck to talking about boxing and fighters from 1977 until today. I'm a boxing historian. And I've read every, I mean, my father had me, my father taught me how to read by reading The Ring magazine. And I've read countless of articles and books on boxing when I was a little boy to the present day. If you want to, if gun to my head, early 1900s black heavyweight contender, Sam Langford. No one gave him a shot at, uh, no one gave him a shot at the heavyweight championship of the world. Even Jack Johnson, who was the first black heavyweight champion, and reigned from 1908 to 1915, refused to give Langford a shot at, the, at his heavyweight championship of the world. Langford was ducked, and he's probably the most ducked heavyweight in the history of boxing. So Bilal, in my opinion, Sam Langford is the greatest fighter pre-1960 never to win a world championship. Now, the second question from Bilal, and the question goes like this. Let me get Bilal's question again. I, I fell off here. Okay. Greatest amateur boxer never turned pro. The greatest amateur boxer who never turned pro. And that's an easy one. In my opinion, the Cuban legendary heavyweight champion, the six foot five. Booming left jab, spectacular right cross in his repertoire, Teofilo Stevenson. 
Stevenson was a beast. I remember my father always talking about Stevenson, always talking about Stevenson. And I got to see Stevenson. Stevenson had already won two gold medals, 1972 and 1976, before I started watching Stevenson fight amateur in 1977. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, because of the incredible success of the 1976 United States Olympic boxing team, team that won five gold medals, the Spinks brothers, Leo Randolph, Howard Davis, and the incomparable Sugar Ray Leonard, ABC began a program called USA versus the world in amateur boxing, in which Howard Cosell, oh, Tanya Philo Stevenson, look at that young man. Look at that left jab and that beautiful right cross. The right lead by Stevenson. You would see Stevenson fight the United States whenever you had the United States go, go up against Cuba and he would win his third gold medal in 1980 now I know people are going to say oh well the United States boycotted there should be an asterisk next to Stevenson's name no no Stevenson would have won the gold regardless of the United States going to the Olympics or not and Stevenson even later on at, at in his late 30s continued to fight at a high level he beat the 1984 Olympic gold medalist, Tyrell Biggs, February of 1984. Biggs would win the, the gold medal in Los Angeles in the summer of 1984. And by the way, Teofilo would have probably won a fourth gold medal because the Cuba and all the Soviet bloc countries, in retaliation for the United States boycotting the 1980 Olympics, Boycotted the 1984 Olympics Terrell Biggs Would now have won a gold medal In 1984 It would have been a fourth consecutive for Teofilo Stevenson He had the beautiful Booming left jab He had a Hollister For a right cross And he was 6 foot 5 in, in the 1970s The only guy the same height as him Was George Foreman Now would, have he, would he have beaten Ali? Ali was too fast for Stevenson. Um, the Ali of 1972, 1973, 1974 would have beaten Stevenson. But what about the Ali that was declining between 76 and 78? I still will have to favor Ali because as, a, as an amateur boxer, Stevenson only fought three rounds. All Ali has to do, and Ali with the greatest chin of all time and the greatest heart any heavyweight ever had, all he had to do was take Stevenson into deep waters. Remember, 15-round title fights back then. And Stevenson will be sucking air after the fifth round. Anyway, we never got to see Stevenson as a pro. Greatest amateur uh, fighter of all time that never won, never turned pro or won a pro title. Now, on to my profile. For this week And this week We will be talking about My 34th greatest fighter Of the last 45 years The greatest American flyweight I've ever seen And Just An incredible fighter Mark Too Sharp Johnson And I wrote this article Last August And my article begins 
in my 45 years of watching boxing, the most avoided fighter I ever saw who weighed less than 118 pounds was the Washington, D.C. native Mark Two Sharp Johnson. At only 5'3", Johnson was an electric softball who was the perfect blend of offensive firepower and defensive wizardry. Not only was he the greatest flyweight I've ever seen, he's also the 34th greatest fighter I've seen over the last 45 years. After a stellar amateur career, Johnson shockingly lost his second career fight to a very nondescript fighter. He then went on a 27-fight winning streak, which earned him a shot at the IBF flyweight title vacated by Danny Romero. Led by his legendary father and trainer, Ham Johnson, on May 4, 1996, Johnson faced former champion Francisco Tejador for the vacant crown. Midway through the opening stanza, Johnson made Tejador miss with a right hand and then countered with a picture-perfect left cross that put the former champion asleep. The 24-year-old Tushar became the first and still only African-American world flyweight champion. The best was yet, the best was yet to come. After successfully defending his title four times, Johnson faced longtime rival from his amateur days, the slick boxing Arthur Johnson. On February 22, 1998, my father and I watched in anticipation for what looked to be the toughest fight of Two Sharp's career. What amazed my father and I was that it was the first time we saw a championship fight on television where you had a black ring announcer, a black referee, and two black combatants in the same fight. Being that the fight took place in Two Sharp's Washington, D.C. hometown, it wasn't surprising that we were seeing what looked to be a historic event involving nothing but African-Americans in the main event. Two Sharp once again showed why his offensive and defensive excellence was unparalleled in 112-pound history. Less than a minute into the opening stanza, Two Sharp, while backing out of an, out of an exchange, landed an awkward and spectacular right hook that immediately stunned Arthur. Two Sharp immediately jumped on the challenger and finished him off with a rapid and sizzling three-punch combination that put Johnson, Arthur Johnson to sleep. Referee Joseph Cooper could have counted to 100 and Arthur still wouldn't have gotten up. My father that night agreed with my assessment that Mark Johnson was the greatest flyweight I ever saw fight. Despite his immense talent, Two Sharp was unable to secure a huge payday against the two other top Americans around his weight class at that time, Michael Carbajal and Johnny Tapia. Carbajal refused to move up from junior flyweight, and Tapia vacated his IBF super flyweight title and moved up, moved up to bantamweight, both done to avoid dealing with the tornado that was Johnson. Johnson would defeat die contender Ratanashai Sorvorapine on April 24, 1999 to win the 115-pound title via 12-round decision. After two successful defenses, Johnson would get caught up in a legal issue that would keep him out the ring for 19 months. When he returned to the ring in the summer of 2001 at the age of 30, he had notice, noticeably lost a step. Too Sharp was no longer invincible inside the ring. Johnson would lose consecutive fights to future world bantamweight champion and younger brother of one Manuel Marquez, 
Rafael Marquez. Johnson took the most punishment of his of his career in both fights. He did find a way to, to gut out a 12-round decision over Fernando Montiel on August 16, 2003, just three days after his 32nd birthday. That would be the final major victory of his career. As Mark lost that title, by the way, that title was for a sanctioning title at 115 pounds. Mark would lose that title 13 months later to Yvonne Hernandez before getting knocked out in his final fight against Johnny Gonzalez. At the age of 34, Johnson officially retired and never looked back. In in 2012... At the age of 40, he became the youngest fighter ever inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And I believe that Andre Ward has broken that record. Andre Ward uh, this year being inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Mark Two Sharp Johnson was the most gifted fighter I ever saw fight at 112 pounds. With blazing hand speed and impenetrable defense, Johnson dominated the 112 and 115-pound divisions while being avoided by several fighters between 1995 and 1999. He was was never the same fighter after taking 19 months off due to legal issues, but he was still able to win another 115-pound world title before his skills were completely diminished. Johnson would retire with a record of 44 wins, 5 losses, 1 draw, with 28 knockouts. He is no doubt more than worthy of being the 34th best fighter of the last 45 years. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for once again joining me, listening to me. I'm loving the feedback. I mean, these solo shows can be very difficult. But they've been a joy and a pleasure to do because I do this for you guys, the boxing fans out there, both casual and hardcore, who always compliment me for the way I do my program. You know that I call it like I see it. I don't believe in hype jobs. I believe in real fighters doing real things. Everybody... Have a wonderful week coming up. Have a wonderful 4th of July. I will talk to you after the holiday. And until next week, be blessed and be a blessing.